Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I uh, I don't think you probably have noticed it necessarily. I haven't announced it, but I've been the last two weeks uh, working on a series really with you on what it means to to pray in intimacy with the Lord, of drawing near, of walking close to Him. And, And so today, what I want to do in my last Sunday with you is to just talk about how do you do that? This is the most practical of what we've been talking about. The last few weeks I've really talked about why you should do this, how important it is. Today, here's how you do it. Now, that makes this what I would call a very personal sermon because everybody's gonna kind of do this differently. The important thing is that we draw near to God. The important thing is we get to know him and that we walk in intimacy with him. How we do it? Well, there's a lot of ways, and so you get to hear how I do it. And, and I hope there's some ways there that then will bring you uh, some, some ways in which you can begin to move closer to the Lord. And so here's how we begin. The first thing that I would suggest to you in learning to walk in intimacy with the Lord, in drawing near to Him, is this. Find people who love the Lord and hang around them. It's a really simple thing. Find people who love the Lord and hang around them. This thing called intimacy with God is better caught than taught. It's who you spend time with that will rub off on you. It's interesting. uh, Parents often tell their kids, now, you know, you got to be careful who you choose as friends because that will rub off on you. But then, We don't think about that for ourselves as adults. We need to choose those we can spend time with where the love of Jesus literally rubs off on us. The last couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about David uh, because of his great prayers of intimacy with God. Wouldn't it have been great to have spent time with David? I mean, just kind of be in the background, sitting over here in the corner and listening while David is worshiping the Lord, you know, or, or, or as he's praying. You can't do that. But there are people today, all over this city, all over the state, around this nation, who love God, who passionately love him, and you can be with them. You can spend time with them, choosing to draw near. I love the the passage in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says of the apostles, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They looked at them and said, ah, yeah, we can tell. These are guys who've been hanging around Jesus, and that made all the difference. They've been with Jesus, and everyone else took note of that. You're going to be able to find people everywhere who've been with Jesus, and that can rub off on you. Now, let me tell you something, and I know this is, painting with too broad a brush. But from my experience, by and large, the people who love Jesus the most are the ones who are going to see him the soonest. But by that, I mean those who have been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. You know, and they've gotten to know him and love him. And, and it's so good to be around them. Now, that's not always true. I, I do know some Christians who, the older they get, the meaner they get. 
That's not who I'm talking about. By and large, by and large, it's these people who sometimes, even in the church and certainly in society, we have a tendency to, to put them on the sideline. They've gotten to a certain age. They can't really do the things they used to anymore. And, and we almost forget about them. But I want to tell you, we are losing out on an opportunity to get to know them and to allow the love of Jesus to come into our own lives. Let me tell you about Zella. Zella was uh, one of the great saints at a church that I preached at years ago. And uh, she was really amazing. As a young woman in the church, she helped start the young woman's Bible school class. She served for many years on their missionary society. They, she just did everything in the church. One of those active, involved members that you love. But by the time I got to the church... Zella was advanced in years. She had congestive heart failure. And so her mobility was, was pretty limited. Her, her legs were swollen, which meant that she couldn't come to church. We had one of these old buildings with a lot of steps, and there's no way that she could get into church. But, but she got the tapes of the messages, and she talked to her friends. She knew what was going on. When I would announce that we're going to have a prayer time, she would call me and say, Preacher, I just want you to know that I'm praying. And I'd love to go by and visit Zella. Now, because of her heart condition, it was sometimes miserable because she had the heat turned up to 100, even in the middle of summer. But, but I would love and go visiting with her, and we would pray together. I grew so much in simply spending time with Zella. Let me tell you how Zella died. We knew that things were winding down for her and that she didn't have very long. Things were progressing physically for her. And so one day I was sitting in the church office and I got the call that the ambulance had come and taken Zella to the hospital. And, and they said, we, we don't think she'll survive this. So I hurried over uh, to the hospital and, and I walked into, into her room. Zella was lying on her deathbed, too weak to lift her head off the pillow. But she turned her head and she saw who it was. And she said, preacher, how can I pray for you? And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be someone like that, who even in dying is thinking about others and demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, if we're wanting to draw near to Jesus, what I want to tell you is one of the simplest steps is find people who love the Lord and hang around him. Here's the second thing. Now, I'm going to say this second thing, and you're going to look at me and go, what would you even bother coming to tell us this? It's, that's, that's obvious. But I need to tell you this. Here's the second thing. You need to spend more time with God. You're going, well, yeah, of course. But if, if you're going to draw near to the Lord, if you are going to grow in your intimate relationship with him. It's about time. It's about choosing to spend more time with him. Scripture teaches us that, that God is love. I love the way that John writes in, in his first letter, 1 John four sixteen. He said, God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. It's 
it's about choosing to spend time with the one that you love. Listening to this message is not the same as drawing near to God. See, now, that, that's important because sometimes we feel like, well, I went to church. Isn't that what you're talking about? No. I, I think it's important. I believe it's very important that we come to church. And I believe in a message I could point you towards some things, but you still have to go do that. You still have to spend, choose to spend time with him. That's how we do in our, in our relationships with one another. Let me just, you know, as a guy, let me talk to the guys here. Everybody else will get it. Guys, when you were beginning to date the young woman that you ended up marrying, did, did, you, did you ever have to go to your friends and say, uh, hey, guys, how much time do I need to spend with her? If you did, your relationship was in trouble. Because that's never the way it is. When you're beginning to fall in love with someone, you just want to spend every bit of time that you can with them. You desire to spend time with them. And friends, it's the same way with God. This is about a relationship. It's about a love relationship that continues to grow the longer we're with the Lord. And that's going to come around to, to simply say, we choose to spend time with him. Now, I'm going to spend more time on this next one because I believe it's the most important. That as we talk about spending time with the Lord, I believe, number three, that the best place to spend time with the Lord and to get to know him is in his word. There's just simply no better place to get to know God than in the pages of his word. The trouble is, we often look at the Bible as simply a textbook, as, as a history book, as a place where there are facts and information. And I don't want you to, to be hear anything wrong from that because it is a, a book that's filled with facts and information and good things, but it's far more than a textbook. The Bible calls itself a living word. It is a place to encounter God. I love the story in the Old Testament of how when the, the children of Israel had left Egypt and before they went into the promised land, they had 40 years in the wilderness. And as the Israelites would, would establish their camp, Moses had a tent, small tent set up right outside the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And Moses would, would regularly walk through the camp to the outside to that tent. And he would spend time with God in his tent of meeting. That's wonderful. But I in some ways have it a little better. And you do too. Because you see, I carry my tent of meeting with me. I, I have my Bible with me. I have, this is where I meet with God. Now, the trouble is, is we so often approach the Bible only as a place to study it. And you need to hear this. Don't you dare walk out of here and say, Dave said we shouldn't study the Bible. Okay, I'll come find you. Okay, don't say that because I believe in studying the Bible. But it's more than that. 
It's not simply a matter of studying. It's a matter of encountering the God who wrote the Bible. See, Jesus Jesus had a problem with the, the very religious people of his day called the Pharisees. It was a group of the Jews of that day. And, and Jesus' problem with them was that they, they studied the Bible, the Old Testament, which spoke about Jesus, but they wouldn't come to Jesus. You see, that was, that was the problem. They were studying all about the Messiah, and the Messiah was standing in front of them, and they wouldn't come to him. You see, that, that ought to warn us that we can, if we're not careful, focus only on information. We can study the Bible to figure out facts and information and never encounter God. So I believe it's important for us to come to the word of God and say, Lord, would you teach me more about yourself and your word? Let me, let me tell you how that happened for me one time. And it happens a lot, but this is, this is something that happened a number of years ago. I had embarked on a read through the Bible in a year task. Now, I hope that most of you have done that, but I know what it's like. You, you get excited, you start in, in January in Genesis, and by the time you get to numbers, you're saying, this is ridiculous, I'm not going to do this. You know, there's something about numbers that just stops people from reading on through the rest of it. Well, I had persevered. I got through Genesis, Exodus, and got past numbers. And, and I was then, at that point, in the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is a very difficult book. It's long and it is filled with strange images, and you don't know who's talking about. And if you are kind of like me, where you're geared towards studying the Bible, and you ask these questions, who wrote this? Who did they write it to? What are the main themes of this? And I was just wrestling my way through Isaiah, trying to figure out what was Isaiah all about? I finally got done with it. I'm ready to move on. But God stopped me. Now, I don't hear, I don't hear voices, but the Spirit of God, you know, has that still small voice that speaks to our thoughts. And, and I was, I finished Isaiah, I was so thrilled, and, and the Spirit of God simply said, read it again. And I'm going, What? Read it again. Okay. Okay, so I started back again. It was no easier the second time. Fighting my way through. I got to the end of Isaiah the second time. Spirit of God said, read it again. Ah. I spent nine, nine months in Isaiah. I still have no idea what Isaiah is about. <laughs> it's not an easy book, especially when you're trying to figure it out, you know, kind of intellectually and asking all those questions of it. But by the time those nine months were done, let me tell you what happened. I knew, I knew the God of Isaiah. 
I had come face to face with the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. I had encountered the branch of Isaiah 9. I had come to know God in the book of Isaiah. And my friends, that's what God's calling all of us to, not just Isaiah, but all through the word of God to look at the Bible as a place to get to know our God. So I want to challenge you this week, not that you ever, ever stop studying the word of God, but there are times when you lay those questions aside and you simply say, I want to get to know you, Lord, here. I'm not trying to figure out answers. I just want to know you. And so, so that's what I would tell you. Get to know him more in his word. And then the fourth thing is actually builds on that. It is one way of doing that. And here's what I want to say to you. I'd like for you, I want to challenge you to do this this week. I want to challenge you to pray John 17, 26. Now, how's that for being specific? I'd like for you every day this week to pray John 17, 26. Now, in the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, the entire chapter, is a prayer of Jesus. We often call it the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And it comes to the very end, and this prayer becomes powerful for you and I in getting to know the Lord. Now, I'm going to read it for you, and if if you've turned to it in your Bible, close your Bible. (laughs) I don't want you to follow along. I want you to look at me. Now, the reason I want you to look at me is because Jesus uses a number of pronouns. And and so I'm going to point. So it helps us understand what's going on. Because Jesus now is he's praying to the Father, and he's praying in the the presence of, of the disciples, And he's made it very clear earlier on in the 20th verse of the 17th chapter of John that he's not just praying for those disciples, but for all of us. So this is a prayer for you from Jesus. And here's how he prays. Watch this. Jesus says, I I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So the Father prays that the love, that rather Jesus prays that the love that the Father has for him would be in us. So, how much love, how much love does God the Father have for Jesus the Son? (laughs) If you can figure that one out, let me know. It's it's beyond me. You know, I can't really wrap my arms around that. But I I comprehend to the extent that this is way beyond me to understand the astonishing love of the Father for the Son. And as I look at this prayer, I've begun to pray it. Because what I want to do always is to agree with Jesus in prayer. I mean, you know what it's like sometimes you hear someone say something that they're praying about and say, hey, I'll agree with you in that. I'll I'll agree with what you're praying. But there's nothing like agreeing with Jesus in prayer. 
because you know it's going to be an accurate prayer. Here's how I've begun praying this. Father, would you help me to love Jesus the way you love him? That's really what this prayer was, isn't it? Jesus said, Father, I, I want, I, I want your, the love you have for me to be in them. And so I'm simply agreeing with Jesus. And I'm saying, Lord, Father, I want, I want to love Jesus the way you love him. Would you help me? So I've got to tell you something. I began praying that. And that first day, I didn't get zapped. By by zapped, I mean, I didn't like get zapped from God and suddenly I'm filled with great love, overflowing love for Jesus. No, no, I didn't feel anything. So I prayed it again the next day and the next day. And I prayed it for that first week. Then I prayed it for that first month and then months. And now it's years. Here's what I can tell you. Though I never experienced this phenomenal experience from God by consistently, persistently praying this, you will, you will begin to experience a greater love for Jesus. You're just agreeing with Jesus in prayer. And the Father is going to place within you what he wants to give you, a greater love for Jesus. It's exactly what we read in Romans chapter 6 where it says, for the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That love of God, that love for Jesus comes from God. You see, our tendency, being emotional people, whether we like to call ourselves that or not, is that if we want to love Jesus more, we try to work it up, you know? We try to somehow work that up emotionally. Oh, I want to love him more. I want to love him more. And we'll go to meetings. We'll go this. We'll listen to music. We'll do different things to try to work up that emotion. The trouble is, is as soon as that event or whatever it is we're listening to stops, then suddenly the love for Jesus seems to drop off because it's all based on an emotion. Let's not do it that way. And I believe that there ought to be some emotional response, but let it happen naturally. Or I would say supernaturally. That happens as we just consistently pray the word of God in agreement with Jesus. That he would pour his love for Jesus into our hearts. Try it, would you, this week? Watch and see what happens. This works. I've got one more thing to share with you. One more point here, and it is again this consistent sort of thing of getting to know the Lord more in his word by praying what you see in his word. And this time, I'm turning to the Apostle Paul. Paul's a hero of mine. Amazing, amazing faith, a wonderful love for the Lord, an amazing man of God. There is a passage of Paul's that I think most of you are going to know. We don't always look at it as a prayer But it is. It's a longing of Paul's expressed to God. That's a prayer. So I want you to hear this. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And Paul writes, while he's perhaps even then chained 
chained in a prison. And he's writing to fellow believers and he says something that to me is absolutely mind-blowing. It is amazing. Simple, but it can change your life. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 and 11, I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. Now, friends, that that doesn't sound like some phenomenal statement. Until you apply the skills that you know on how to study the Scripture to that, you start asking, "Who, who wrote that? When did he write it? Why was he writing this? See, this is Paul at the end of his life. This is Paul years after he had had that amazing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's struck blind. He's healed. He's baptized. He goes out into the Arabian desert where he receives revelations from God that ends up being much of our New Testament. This is after all of that. It's after he travels around the Mediterranean world, preaching, making disciples, building the church, healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, just the usual stuff we do all the time, right? This is after all of that. This is after Paul, on one particular occasion, was caught up into the third heaven and received a revelation from God that was so spectacular, he wasn't even allowed to write it down or tell anyone about it. This is after all of that. Did you get this? After all of these phenomenal experiences in the life of the Apostle Paul, he has the audacity to pray. I want to know Christ. What? You, Paul? You want to know Christ? You see, you realize there's more. There's much more. More than all of the phenomenal experiences that he had enjoyed. He still is longing for more of Jesus. Perhaps the greatest danger to your spiritual life is contentment. Do you feel like, you know, I go to church, I read my Bible some, you know, I do this and that. Uh, What more do you want? You see, Paul knows nothing of that. Paul, chained for his faith in a Roman prison, and he's still crying out for more. I want to know Christ. How about you? Pray that this week, would you? Pray that this week. 
and watch and see what God does. The creator of all, the redeemer of the world, wants a closer, intimate relationship with you. And this is the week to begin to draw near and experience all he has for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your amazing love. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have literally drawn near to us that we might draw near to you. Lord, today we, uh, we would ask you, Father, to, to pour the love that you have for Jesus into our hearts. Lord, even now, even as we sit here, Lord, stand here, would you, would you begin to pour your love into our hearts through your Holy Spirit? And would you help us this day to have in our lives that, that passionate desire for you that, that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul, that we would say to you again, Lord, this day, Jesus, we want to know you better. We want to know you this week. Draw us near, Lord. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.